You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coburn. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. Very good day to everybody. Welcome to a very hot, uh, clammy, it has been hot in mind. Uh, this is, of course, the southeast of Spain. And it's Europe calling with Neil Colborne and Vince Tracy. Okay, let's go about uh, three quarters of an hour to the west of where I am right now. And find out, first of all, is Neil coping with the heat? So, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm all right, Vince. It's lovely and hot today, but we've got a really nice breeze that's come with it. On my walk, it was lovely. No cloud in sky, red hot. I'll, I'll stand this all the time. <laughs> OK, well, um, I don't like it quite as hot as it, uh, as it is right now. If I'm honest, um, you know, I'll still go out and do a little bit of running, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't. not the best time to go out and run, that's for sure. Yesterday, my 4K walk felt like 12K. It was really heavy and clammy yesterday and hot. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It does make you feel sluggish yeah. as well, doesn't it? Okay, well... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's get our brains in gear, see what I've got for you today as we go to um, our first one. Okay, it's the way these things are written, which partly is what I'm having to go about with the first article, which uh, says a massive space rock uh, bigger than 10 buses stacked end to end is hurtling towards Earth. Now, this is NASA talking about an asteroid scientifically called 2013 WV44. And it's going to fly past at around 9 a.m. Um, British uh, summertime on Wednesday. The rock is estimated to be up to 524 feet, about 160 metres, that is, in old money or new money, in diameter, which is bigger than both the London Eye and Big Ben. It will be travelling at a speed of 11.8 kilometres per second, so that will worry us if it's doing over six, 26,000 miles an hour, roughly 34 times the speed of sound. Then it goes on to say, although hurtling towards Earth, it won't ever get closer than 0.02334 astronomical units or around 2 million miles. Hang on. This is sort of um, starting to make me think. And then I'm thinking, what the heck? Two million miles away, despite being around nine times further out than the moon, the asteroid is classed as a near-Earth object and is being tracked by NASA. OK, so I don't think that will have put the fear of God into too many. Uh, what about uh, for you? Are you going to be worrying about that one? I'll keep my binoculars ready for it when it's coming past tomorrow night marvel i'll have a look at it yeah are they are they having a laugh two million miles away 
Oh, please. Well, you're thinking to yourself... What are you paid for this, NASA? <laughs> I mean, by all means, I suppose, you know, if there is something coming bang at us, uh, you've then got the you've got the dilemma is it better to let us know or is it probably better to not tell anybody because what we're going to do i mean if uh, if you read that article i mean it gave you sort of ideas that nasa's going to try and or already has tried to shoot these things and make them go off course but i mean realistically if they're coming that fast at you have, have we got the technology to totally get the job right I shouldn't think so. I mean, can you, can you imagine that a thing that size, bigger than um, Big Ben and London Eye, coming hurtling at you at that speed? You won't have the time to blink. You know, it just boom. We've all gone. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um... Well, can you imagine? Can you imagine it in Pollock? <laughs> it's funny. There's only five thousand people there. It's like gone, Benny. What's going to happen here now? Yeah. But as I say, you know, it, it's the fact that it's written into the papers. And basically, um, I don't know that many people that would really not be aware of it one way or the other. I mean, most people probably wouldn't be aware of that. So why give us the worry? If it is a worry to some people. Yeah, why, why, why put a bit more stress on us? You know, we might get hit with a great big lump of rock coming at us, you know. Well, we'll see what else they can find to worry us about. But before that, we're going to go to a bit of music. So um, here we go. The number you have reached has been disconnected. Okay, so I would imagine, like uh, ourselves, uh, you have been watching a little bit of Glastonbury. But um, then I'm reading in the papers, disenchanted festival goers left awful Glastonbury early and skipped Sir Elton John's historic set to beat the traffic after headliners were branded boring and they felt ripped off by near £7 a pint, £12 a cup of coffee, £8 portion of chips. Sir Elton's Pyramid Stage gig was uh, just the night that all this was appearing in the papers, which could be his last ever in Britain, has been hailed as one of the greatest ever finales to the world's most famous music festival. Other highlights included the crowd supporting Louis Capaldi and singing his lyrics as he struggled with Tourette's. Uh, more than 200,000 were at Worthy Farm for the £350 a head. Multiply that up and you'll get a few bob um, events. But hundreds of festival goers felt at least a day uh, uh, was too many uh, and left a day early after an awful and uh, year, they tell them, let, left them feeling let down. Overcrowding, sweltering temperatures, disappointing headline acts, including the Arctic Monkeys, Lana Del Rey, Guns N' Roses, were all contributing factors to the mass exodus. It was also branded too woke, even for its, unusual, for its usual left-leaning and new age clientele. Adds hordes of generals, uh, Generation Z's shunned G DJ sets and bands for political debates and group workout sessions. Caterers are also accused of running a racket with sky-high prices. Liam Rod Rogan, 24, said people are just done with it. It's depressing. 
Glastonbury's been awful this year. Nothing has gone well and none of the acts were show-stopping. I left the Arctic Monkeys. They were awful. Okay, now, um, you wonder really about all this. Is it another distraction? Because it just seems that we've had distraction after distraction as the TV has got certainly uh, more and more questionable. Did you watch any of it? None. No, never, never, never watched any of it. Any of them, you know. What I mean, it, it, it's. I don't know. It's just not my idea. I don't want to be stood there waiting for acts here and acts there and moving over here, and especially, especially that price of a bag and and a coffee. That that cripple me. I'd have saved up for twelve months. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's whether you'd pay it, isn't it? You know, um, I mean, basically, yeah. a bit further on, it said Glastonbury's famous faces were accused of hypocrisy by green campaigners today. After using helicopters to get home from the event, the Worthy Farm music extravaganza, which closed with Elton John's dynamite performance last night, was a buzz with the small aircraft choppering in and out most are understood are operated by independent companies but able to land at a special pad set up near the festival which cuts out the heavy queuing to get on and off the site well to be fair um i have watched some of it i didn't go out my way to watch it i mean if i was sitting down as i said a minute ago the tv has become so awful um, that you know once you can see through the rubbish of all the uh, gay kisses and the little gay innuendo stuff that comes through on the soaps um, you, you start to think to yourself hang on are there no normal people about um, and then when you saw the amount of people there I mean it was huge and of course you'll always get a few people who don't like what they see but if they've paid to go there they must have had an idea that it was going to be busy so, um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but um, I, I'm not being one for going to places like that because I don't like crowds. I don't like waiting around, don't like queuing up, don't like all that sort of stuff. Um, but I mean, as far as the acts go, uh, what did I see? I th well, I didn't know who the Arctic Monkeys were when I first saw them because I, I know the name, but I've never watched them. And I saw this group of very smart young guys playing some sort of a story um which was obviously quite clever and well done but it i didn't relate to it so i didn't like that at all uh then i saw debbie harry turned up and i mean she is pushing 80 and um i mean her band i thought was pretty good you know they were loud brave abrasive but then again she was a hellraiser in a day wasn't she oh yeah debbie harry yeah yeah but uh i mean him from near where I live, Rick Astley. Hang on a minute. I saw him on news because they put him on Granada, you know, from yeah. Manchester area because yeah. that's where he's from. He had the two worst fitting suits I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, my life. He, they were hanging on floor. It, the arms didn't fit. The jacket didn't fit. Nothing. And he was still going back to... And then he's playing drums. Hang on a minute, and then we've still got that one, never going to give you up. If I hear that again, I'll, I'll throw myself in. See. 
Well, look, yeah. I, I'm going to tell you, I did see him. And I have to say, I mean, just this might give you an indication of the standard of things. I thought he was one, one of the better ones. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of his, but I did think he connected. He was like sort of um, uh, Glastonbury's answer to Max Bygraves in some ways. I mean, I thought he did quite a good job, yeah. actually. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't put it better with that. Man, Max Bygraves, yeah, I want to tell you a story, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. He looks like him too. He had, I think he had one of Max's suits on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going headlining on this, what, what's it called? Triangle thing or whatever it's oh, called. Oh, the pyramid. Is the big one. Yeah, the pyramid. Yeah, you want to look, you know, you want to look the part, don't you? You know. Well, look, as I say, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to sort of watch and not be too critical. Um, I did think he was okay. Um, I did think uh, Elton John's songs, they're great. I mean, they are great. I'm not a big fan of Elton John per se, but I do think that um, he's written some good stuff. And obviously, um, I did feel in some respects it didn't look very pop music to see somebody hobbling around the stage and then obviously the the special guests he brought on i didn't think they were that special and of course they had to rush over to the piano and give him a big hug um i mean i, I don't know I mean, you get a bit old for these things but i'd never i really wasn't one of those uh, sort of glastonbury goers when i was younger it was always sort of not my scene if you like you know so I can't be too, can't be too critical because at the end of the day, um, these guys these guys some of them will never give it up, will they? Well, they'll never <laughs> give it up. Never let you down. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, keep putting the puns in. But, well, uh, yeah, Elton. Somebody put, somebody put on Facebook, right? Of Elton John and Ina Sharples <laughs> yeah, from so Coronation so Street. And, and it, and it, it just looked like it, didn't it? He you did. Know? But his music, don't get me wrong, his music is some, some great stuff because you move on with music. You're either heavy rock or you're middle of the road or you're a bit of cheese or whatever. Yeah. Right? And he has done some fantastic things, but, I mean, isn't it funny? Uh, this, this will be my last one in the UK, but I'm on a world tour. Yeah. 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 I mean, money he's got. Money he's got. You know, he's going hobbling around all over the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, well, that was interesting. So, uh, did you know you were in the papers this week? No, I didn't. Go on. Here it comes. This is going to be good. So, this was a story uh, that grabbed my attention because having been to the Colosseum... I was uh, obviously uh, in awe of the building and the years it's been standing and all that. And there was a story about a bystander who filmed a tourist and he was busy carving names into the stone walls of the 1,937-year-old building using a set of keys. So, according to the English-speaking man who recorded some footage, the incident happened last Friday, June the 23rd. The man carving the walls, who was wearing shorts and a blue T-shirt... That fits the bill, doesn't it? Manchester City uh, grinned into the camera when he realised he was being filmed. The video was shared on Reddit with the English speaking guy uh, filming the footage, said to the other, are you serious? Um, stupid arsehole by the sound of uh, what he's written here others were quick to comment sharing their outrage and speculated the man was called 
Now, they've written as Ivan, but I think you were using a pseudonym. And the reason why I say that is because uh, the name of his girlfriend was Haley, And I thought straight away, it's Neil. <laughs> he hasn't been watching Glastonbury. He's been, he's been on, over then. to Rome and he's been scratching their names in the walls. Um, all joking aside, I mean, what's got into people scratching their names with keys on the walls of the Colosseum? Well, he's given my non-diploma away now, hasn't he? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God. How, how ridiculous do some people get? You know, how, how stupid. I thought you that. Know, I thought did he get too. caught? Did he get, did he get dragged away? Well, there's no follow-up to it, so it'll be interesting to see if there is a follow-up, ah. because apparently uh, you can be put inside for a year for doing something like that, and obviously, you know, there are so many people now, they think they can do what the hell they like and just go round the globe doing stupid things, which, of course, if you look at the, the guy that uh, keeps doing stupid things on TikTok, and then, you know, you're led to believe the police have given him a warning, and, oh, come on. I better go on with the next one because uh, this is again looking at no, the papers, no. trying to scare the life on out of us. So um, let's see what we got with this one. Here it comes. So I reckon there's an office where they sit down and they think. How can we scare the living daylights out of people? We've had a little go about the asteroid, and this one turned up a couple of days ago. Uh, they can spread dangerous infections and cause painful bites, and posing a potentially serious threat to public safety. What are we talking about? Female vampire horseflies feed off blood, leading to infections and painful swelling that may not be fully treatable with current antibiotics. Vampire horsefly bites generally take longer to heal compared to most other insect bites too and have a high risk of becoming infected, particularly if scratched. Other effects of vampire horsefly bites include the swelling of limbs, dizziness, shortage of breath and a painful itchy rash so this uh, it was all being uh, told to the daily star one of britain's great newspapers alice duval from amesbury wiltshire revealed she suffered an excruciating bite that left a huge red blotch that began swelling right away she added they're really sneaky i never felt it land on me i only knew when it bit me i it didn't buzz or anything like a wasp or a bee would Another victim, Dean Collins from Brighton. I was with my girlfriend in the park and was bitten on the leg by a horsefly. Man, it's so painful, far worse than a wasp's sting. Another victim said, I'm destroyed with the horsefly bites. One got infected. If bite victims go into anaphylactic shock, they may find their throat swelling, meaning they could choke and potentially die without emergency medical treatment. Well, um... And the, any flies, any bugs, anything that can give you a bite is potentially a problem. Uh, but, I mean, that's yeah. been written to try and get everybody worried again, hasn't it? I can't remember the last time I saw an horsefly. You know what I mean? You, normally, you'll, you'll, you'll see things. I mean, let, let's go back to when we were doing our show in Bennett at home, on, you know, on radio. Yeah. Remember... I I made a point of how come these these mosquitoes have been around for billions and billions of years and this that and the other, 
And no matter when they bite you, you start wanting to itch it. And the old woman rang in, didn't she? And told me, dental looks mint toothpaste, yes. put it on before you go to bed. And I'm thinking, hey, up here, what's going on? <laughs> uh, put it on when, before you go to bed and you'll not itch all night. <laughs> and just to prove the point of this old woman who was 80 or something, uh, I've still got a tube outside at bed. No, because every time I have had a bite off a mosquito and it starts to itch, and I go to bed, I put that blob of uh, Dentalux mint toothpaste on it and it stops all the itching all night. Fantastic. So I, I'll have to, I don't know if it works on horsefly. I've not been bit by one, thankfully. But if it does, get a tube of Dentalix, put it on, just put it over the bite and it will stop your itching. I think oh, I'm right boy. in saying, I think most toothpaste uh, would, would do a fairly similar job. I don't know for sure, by the way, but I have an idea that's um, something that, that... I think it's the mint, isn't it? It's, it's the minty thing, I think, that draws that draws the thing and calms the, the, the itching. I think, I don't know. Mm. As I say, I didn't know anything about it, so she rang, in, rang us in on uh, Cool FM. Yeah. You know? <laughs> OK, all right, well, we go on with our next one then. Uh, let's see what we got for you next. Uh, yeah, here we go. So, um, this, I think you will see that, um, the, the, although it's written in a certain way, it is a problem. Deep in discussion with a new client, the owner of a beauty salon was startled by the appearance of a man in a baseball cap and face mask who marched through the doors and began to pace about mumbling in broken English and waving his arms. Clearly angry, he seemed to want Skyiste Jonavithien, who runs the Smart Clinic at the Skin Place in Thetford, rural Norfolk, uh, to write down an address. So getting up from her seat to fetch a pen, she thought nothing of leaving her iPhone face down on the table as millions of people do when you've seen them seven times a day seven or eight times a day doing this and she and her client were bewildered when they were each then handed a folded piece of paper with illegible writing on it um but apparently this is uh, like they'll give them a piece of paper saying if you want your phone back uh, you've got to pay whatever and uh, further on in the article, it's becoming increasingly common. A mobile phone is stolen every six minutes in London alone, according to police data released in April, which equates to 240 a day. In all, 90,864 phones were stolen in the capital in 2022. So that's about a 151% increase, apparently, year on year. The phone is the subject really that i want to have a quick chat with you about because quite frankly um i use my phone if i lost my phone tomorrow i think what i'd do as i'd go and get one of my old phones and i just get that going again i couldn't care about whether it's one of the latest ones or anything like that but some people are smitten by the technology aren't they oh yeah i mean it's like when i go out you know i go out at night my phone's on settee. You know, I don't want to be having people ringing me or my phone going off when I'm out having a drink with friends and this, that, and so that. And if I'm out with friends and one of them's there on on phone, I say, well, hang on a minute. I thought you were coming out for have a drink with us. 
you know, just put it in your pocket and switch it off or whatever. It's an absolute, it's a, it's a blight on everybody's night out. That they sat there, you, you see them in bars, in, in restaurants, everything. There's four of them having a meal and all four are on phone. You know what I mean? It's like, hang on a minute, what if we come, what if we come to you here? Can't we speak to anybody anymore? Yeah, you know, it, it just really annoys me. You know, when you when I see them, I think, look at them, look at them four there. I think they, I think they text him just across the table sometimes at each other. You know. Well, to be honest with you, I remember very, very clearly getting off the plane in Australia in 2013. And um, Anna and myself looked at people walking round. They were like little zombies all walking round with the phones. And I said to Anne then, I hope that doesn't come to Spain. And of course, that's, this is right now in Spain now, because here we are 10 years down the line. And unfortunately, um, people are forgetting that there was a time, and I'm pretty sure you will remember this the same as I clearly do, I never used to worry about taking the phone out with me if I went in the car. I'd go in the car and if it broke down, we'd find a way around it. I mean, somebody would stop or you'd, you know, ask somebody. I don't suppose you could uh, phone the AA for us or something like that. Um, but now, oh, it's oh, got... You to watch, oh, you have to watch a telephone box. Yeah. You know, they're all disappearing from, you know, face of earth. You know, what's all that about? Oh, you could knock on somebody's door then and say, excuse me, I've broken down. Can I just use your phone to phone the AA, please? And people say, yeah, come in and, and use it. Now, oh, it's just it's ridiculous. Well, you might remember last week we were talking about these sex education classes that they're proposing to give kids aged five. And uh, I was looking at it again with um, Matt King this morning. And the original article, which should have set us all really thinking about this, was out in about 2011. It's been updated. So it's a tactic that these people are using. They're using it in the papers. They're using it on TV. They're using it in many ways. They will try something on. And then it will come into play about two or three years after or a certain amount of time after if they feel the timing is right. Now, I don't know if you've noticed on the TV adverts, uh, we never used to have a gay kiss on TV adverts. I mean, it was just one of those things. I think people have now thought uh, the time is we'll get away with it. So we've got a couple of adverts where they sneak one in. Really, it shouldn't get me that across. It shouldn't get anybody that across if it's a kiss. It's supposed to be nice. But... Uh, it's a little bit like normalising something that really is not the majority of the population. And they've made you to the stage where you've accepted that now as being normal. It isn't normal. Um, but then again, you see, they've made the normal appear abnormal. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, fir the first kiss, were it in either Brookside or... One of them on BBC source where they, they were a lesbian kiss, wasn't it? Two girls. Uh, well, you I know, know that's I, when it started. Donkeys years, donkeys years ago. I know there was the there was the kiss in EastEnders with um, I think it was the Doctor or something, you know. And I, I thought, all right, I'm, I've never really watched EastEnders ever since those days because of it. Coronation Street used to always be a funny, really, you know, good little bit of comedy in probably all the episodes today you know if you look for it all they're doing is they're becoming more and more indoctrinated in making the abnormal become more normal i mean it's absolutely ridiculous i suppose um i suppose it's you've got to test your waters somewhere and that's how they do it 
Yeah, yeah. As I say, I've not watched soaps for oh, must be twenty-five years now. You know, I just, I just. At one time, I, when when I was back in England, I, I, I put EastEnders on, and every time I put it on, it was somewhat depressing. Although yeah. every every time I had a quick look at it, it was all depressing. I just thought, oh, that's the end of that. And then I went to Coronation Street and I didn't bother with that then because I just thought, oh, they're all the same here. Because people were firmly believing that that were all happening, you know, where they lived. And yeah. it weren't. It's a make-believe thing. It's, you know, it's a soap opera, you know. Well, no, God knows what it looks like now. Yeah, I think what happens is they... I was watching it when he the Sharples and Minnie Cordwell and uh, <laughs> all them. I mean, Ken Barlow, he's 80-odd now. He's been in it from the beginning. It's not been a bad Go job. On, Benny, what a good role he's had. Yeah. I wonder whether he'll end up as an elderly paperboy. No, maybe not. Um, OK, we're going back to Glastonbury for a different slant on it now. This is quite interesting. So um, let's get uh, let's get ourselves out. Don't forget, um, I, well, I don't know if you saw this one, in the middle of about 100 and odd thousand people, there was a little party going on and people were saying how inconsiderate because <laughs> they had all, all the picnic stuff out and everything, you know. Anyway, here it comes. So, nor are you likely to read about the sky-high cost of putting up these workers in local four- and five-star hotels uh, that many of them are believed to be staying in for the entire five days. These are BBC staff. Remember, we're always being told the BBC have got no money, uh, everything's got to be cut. So... um, Rooms at the Carlton House Hotel, understood to be one of the BBC's main bases, cost up to £400 a night. And the expenses of airing this year's festival, which is said to run into several millions, has not been made public either. It's all enough to make the uh, increasingly put-upon licence fee payer wonder whether the budgetary excess represents value for money. The multi-million pound figure should come as no surprise. However, given that the BBC's blanket coverage of the event, obviously we've been over the uh, the, the people that were in it, uh, will be spread across its TV, radio and online services. The staggering array of outlets producing shows from those famous fields in the West Country include BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, BBC Four, Radio One, Radio One Dance, Radio One Extra, Radio Two, Radio Six, Asian Network and Radio Four. Then there are numerous live streams on iPlayer and further audio content on BBC Sounds. And it's not just specialist music shows that are getting in on the act. Numerous mainstream shows are too. Radio 4's Woman's Hour. They were at Glastonbury for the first time, bringing listeners the latest things from the festival, while Zoe Ball's Radio 2 breakfast show was also based there. And BBC One's primetime magazine programme, The One Show, has been reporting live from the festival as have the corporation's news outlets and even the CB's bedtime stories will be broadcasting Glastonbury specials after the festival. Okay, so the BBC is spending a lot of time and money. So any ideas why they're doing it? Well, what what gets up my nose about this is that 
all the pensioners, yeah, still have to pay for their license, and I'd say 90% of them never go any different between uh, BC1, BC2, yeah, and they're paying 400 quid a night for all these people going stay in hotels and this and the other, and they're still pestering pensioners to have a TV license. It's an absolute disgrace. You know, they've had it, they've had the, the license for, for the last 50 odd year of them, and now, now they, they, they're not letting it go. And government should stand up and say, well, hang on a minute, this is ridiculous. You know, I mean, can you imagine somebody like 70, 80 year old? You know, listening to uh, uh, that hip hop, that hip hop thing, is it Radio 6 or something? Oh, I see. All bouncing yeah. about all over the place. But mm. the, the thing I'm getting at is they're wasting money here, there, and everywhere, right? And, and they're still uh, badgering pensioners that they need a, a TV license. It's an absolute disgrace. Mm. I suppose the, the, the bottom line is. It's yet another example of don't do as we say or don't do as we do, uh, do as we say. And I mean, really, if you've got all these people making all these different films or whatever, um, either the event has suddenly become a, a larger event and more sort of uh, prestige and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, I saw certain events or certain acts, which I've told you the ones that I thought were okay. I saw one or two that were awful. They were dodgy. I mean, they just were hopeless, quite honestly. And so um, what does the BBC do about that? I mean, really, uh, is there enough or are there enough cameramen to say, well, okay, this is no good. Uh, We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to bother to do this. Surely there must be an editor somewhere that will say, well, that's not worth taking uh, back to the BBC. But it would appear that they've they've been there mob-handed and obviously they must see it as being a big part of their marketing for this year. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know who they are that, you know, that, that gives it them, you know, that says, oh, yeah, well, we'll do all gas Because we were on about that uh, triangular stage or whatever it is. And there's about seven or eight other stages. And we are saying, we didn't think most of them were, were very good. And a lot of people were saying in that thing that you did at the beginning, yeah. that they weren't very good. Just think what they must be like on stage seven, six, five, four, and three, and all that lot. Mm. They must be awful. Mm. And yet sometimes, you know, um, when you get further up the, the food chain, you know, you are sort of kidding people how good you are. And really, you know, some of the up and coming stuff is often better. But from what I saw, I mean, I saw um, a band from Africa who I thought were um, not very good at all. And, um, you know, one or two of the other acts who you just... You haven't got time. I better move on because I'm getting a little bit too um, super critical. And it is all about the way you, you know, me, you or whoever's watching it uh, will have their opinions. So I'll go to the next bit then, which is um, we'll go to this one here. Okay, now uh, we were talking over the last few weeks about um, uh, these charities and people who are organising a lot of the stuff that we see in the press all the time at the moment. And Stonewall, 
the UK's foremost LGBT charity, has redefined the word homosexual to mean same gender attracted. Its chief executive officer, Nancy Kelly, has claimed that for lesbians to refuse sex with those who identify as women but still have male genitals is analogous to sexual racism. I mean, you could not really believe how complicated they're trying to make this. This is a total inversion of homosexuality. To pretend that biology has nothing to do with sexual orientation, a view now endorsed by Stonewall is actually a form of homophobia. Yet such attitudes are common on social media where extreme trans activists, not in any way representative of trans people as a whole, routinely abuse gay people online and shame them for their orientation. Some of them assert that genital preferences are transphobic and that gay men who aren't actually sexually attracted to female bodies are bigots. It's a rehash of the old anti-gay tripe. Uh, you haven't met the right girl yet. And then there are the dangers to children. So now we go on to look at a place which is in the news all the time, the Tavistock Gender Identity Development Service. These are disgraced pediatric former gender clinic run by the NHS is at last due to close following a devastating report by Dr. Hilary Cass that uh, determined it was not safe for youngsters. History will show that Tavistock to have been one of the greatest medical scandals in recent British history. In her book, Time to Think, there's a journalist called Hannah Barnes, found that between 80 and 90% of the adolescents referred to the clinic were same-sex attracted, that is, probably gay. Studies conclusively show a strong correlation between gender nonconformity in youth and homosexuality in later life. But rather than allowing girls to be tomboys or boys to be effeminate, the new religion of gender identity fluttering on the pride flag encourages such kids to believe they are trapped in the wrong body. And this is perilous for vulnerable children. The Tavistock and other similar clinics seems to me to peddle a form of conversion therapy trying to turn gay kids straight. I mean, seriously, you could read that and end up feeling dizzy. What do you think? Well, I am dizzy with you reading it to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we had we had some well, girls at, at school that, that once you play football with lads and this, that and the other, it didn't mean that they were going to be lesbian or they, they, they wanted they, they thought they were a boy you know in in a girl's clothing we had none of that you just got on with them and people were just as normal as you know as whatever yes there were gay people i didn't meet many when i were at school or shortly after i left but you know then, then uh, people were telling me they were gay but i was still having a drink with them and like i do now i haven't got a problem with people being gay but when they're trying to jam it around down young kids throats that are you sure you don't want to be a boy or you don't want to be a girl and vice versa, you know? It's like, hang on a minute. Let kids grow up. Let them be children and let them grow up. And when they get to 15, 16, 17, 18, let them make their own mind up which way they want to go in life. Don't be jamming it down the throats when they're five, six, seven and eight. It's ridiculous. Do you think, Neil, that if they hadn't had all this stuff on the TV... 
especially I think from the pop world um, you know do you think there would have been that many kids that suddenly all want to change gender or want to become gay or whatever I mean realistically uh, I grew up without a TV you see at 16 so it's hard for me to judge that one um, I mean do you think it really affects people just to see the likes of Boy George I mean I remember seeing him and thinking to myself Here's a, it, that, there's a weird one for starters you know um, we, we didn't know if he was a boy or a girl or whatever you know and then, um, yeah. as you say, we, we had people, you knew were a bit effeminate or maybe a bit fringe, but, I mean, you wouldn't pick on them. In fact, uh, you know, I know there were gangs that did used to go out um, and, and beat... Yeah. They were uh, gay bashing or something, wasn't it? Mm. Something like that. Yeah, but yeah. I, I never, I never, yeah. never would have um, encouraged anybody to do anything like that. You know, you just, you wouldn't want to do that, would you? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's never been it's never been in my forte to go and punch anybody for no reason at all, or that they, somebody said that they're gay or whatever. That's not no. Yeah, they get on with people. You don't have to, you know, love them and and, and befriend them. But normally, when you get in a conversation, you don't even realise that they are gay. They're just talking about general things and things. In thing is, from you know the gay fellas I know, they talk as much about football as I do and rugby and cricket and. And but I mean, when, when you're saying about television, you never saw anything like that on, on our television. Mind you, we only had two stations at one time, and then they upped it to three or four or whatever it was. And television used to go when it was crackling and banging, you just hit it on top and hope it come back on. But there was nothing like that then. <coughs> Do you I'm think? I'm just hoping that, that this LGBT they're trying to change, you know, putting in people's minds that you know five, six, seven, eight, or whatever they are. It's just a fad that they see from it, and then it becomes a fad, and then it just fades away, hopefully. Well, from what I was reading in this article about what they're trying to do with sex education for children under five, um, I mean, really, I don't know why they don't just call it the Charter for Paedophilia and uh, and have done with it, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, yeah, yeah. I mean, when all said and done, yeah. uh, you, you, as you say, you leave kids to just grow up, don't you? Exactly. You know, you, we used to just all go out and play, and sometimes girls would come out and play, you know, and we, they'd, they'd be playing rounders or something like that. We'd be playing football or we're playing cricket, and we'd say, oh, yeah, we'll have a go with cricket, but, you know, and uh, let, let him just... Go and climb conquer trees and get a few conkers and this, that, and the other. And if you fall out of a tree, I mean, you know, I, I, I think for every tree, every tree it will put a put, put a big cushion underneath it in case one of the kids fall. You know, you know what you're doing. You know, it's an absolute nonsense. Well, I mean, it's like these distraction things that are going on all the time. And, you know, the big one for probably most of the men is the female football. And yet, you know, there'll be one comment that uh, there's a load of people who don't look very feminine. I, I see lots of really feminine girls playing football. And I don't have a problem with girls playing football. But that's for them. I mean, in the past, I would never have gone really to look at uh, any female sport particularly but that's not because you know i'm against it it's because we've got enough going on for ourselves with the premier league and all the four divisions um that you can find reasonable football in you know exactly women's football should be women's football you know and 
you know, if you want to televise it, you know, put it on the on the TV. And men's football is men's football. But I di- what I disagree with is that we're getting rid of some of our best presenters just so we can slot a female presenter in on the men's football. No. You know, a football presenter of the woman's football, you just stay on your side and let her stay on our side. Mm. And that's what's happening now. They're taking over football focus, which is supposed to be about all football, but it's nearly all women. Uh, Neil, I'll send you... That's what gets on my nerves. I'll send you a link... Because all this is, uh, it's all to do with communism. The whole thing's to do with communism. And people, obviously, uh, those that have studied communism will have a better idea. Those of us that have lived through, you know, knowing about communism um, will will have other parts of the jigsaw, jigsaw puzzle. But, um, I mean, with these things that they're trying to do to indoctrinate the children and teach them all you know, all the sexual adult stuff at the age of five, this is the state trying to take away your children. And I think that, you know, we're we're living through this whole thing, uh, which is basically, it's a big design plan, which we've talked about. We'll go on to about a viral video on social media next. So let's see what this is about. Hang on. I'll put put the music on while I just clear my, my head. Now, you probably saw this one. It's a viral video, and it shows how a family from Coventry, they were busy taunting their children's schools by celebrating their three term-time holidays, claiming they will save thousands, despite being fined every time. The video shows these two, 29 and 30 uh, parents, dancing gleefully on TikTok where it's racked up more than 90,000 likes. Uh, the, the Coventry couple were looking forward to holidaying in Greece with their two children, a 10-year-old, 7-year-old, in a bid to save money. Uh, they chose to book the 11-day break for the 18th of May, which happens to be during the school term. And they've been hit with a £240 fine in return. Uh, then, of course, they've made this... Um, this particular little video uh, so that they can maybe show that they don't care. Now, I've got a bit of sympathy with any parents who need to take the family away on a little break. I know that it's always going to be more um, expensive at certain times of the year. So I am with the family in what they are trying to do. The only thing that I think that for me I wouldn't have bothered doing is trying to make um, this sort of a big social media platform thing you know just get on with just do it and, and get on with your lives and let your kids grow up uh, but of course the yeah. I should imagine a lot of it is now so that the kids will feel you know wow we've gone viral you know and uh, all this rubbish that you know it only means that somebody's clicked on something for goodness sake you know, that's what they don't seem to understand. You know, by clicking something doesn't really mean they like it at all. It just means that they're bothered to click. End of story. Do you bother yeah. liking things? But I mean, I, 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 I agree with, with what, they, what they're doing. Because, you see, we know, you know, here in Benidorm, that, you know, it, the minute it comes to July, August, prices go through the roof. The flights go through the roof. The, the hotel uh, accommodation goes through the roof. 
and and it is expensive for families. I mean, we we had it years ago, but not not as bad as it were then because we didn't fly then. You know, we were going to Rill or Abergelia somewhere or Blackpool for a week or or whatever. But you know, yes, it it needs sorting between the airlines because it's the same distance. It's even less weight if you've got kids on instead of you know it's what they're saving in fuel on the weight. It, it, they should keep them at the same price all the year round. So that then people, and, and I, I get where they're coming from, but what happens for them 11 days? Do, do they get some, you know, well, can you teach this to your kids? Because they'd probably say, no, no, we're going on holiday. Well, then your kid could go further behind in education. You'll, you'll end up with a load of thick holes, you know, that yeah. have missed that much school. But I, as I say, it's... It's the, the airlines, I, I think we, we get ripped off, you know, June, July, August, maybe September even, them holidays. Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen it happen all the time here. When we've had to nip back home, you know, in summer, and yet you can go in winter, we, we used to be able to go for £25, you know, well, return I, I must, England and back. I must, I must admit, I always used to set the boys, you know, a little bit of a project monitor them talk to them try and explain things take them to places and explain the, the, the trip and with all my boys now speaking spanish and traveling and doing things uh, of a you know um making the way in the world if you like um you know i feel that it was all worthwhile and it vindicated my um uh, mine and Anne's decision to take the kids away you know at the beginning of term because what else would they be doing you know very often they play games and they don't really do much work till about the second or third week you know something like that um okay on we go with the next one we've got a couple left then so we'll go to uh let's see this one here now we're talking about a girl uh, who detransitioned i mean for goodness sake the language just gets more and more extended and extensive uh, after deciding to identify as a boy and undergoing a mastectomy at the age of 15. Uh, well, she's now blamed professionals for letting her go ahead with the procedure. Jasmine, who was a patient at the controversial, this is the place I was telling you about, Tra Tavistock Transgender Clinic, which has now got to be closed down quite rightly, uh, says her decision to transition to male was a mistake and she now feels like a mutilated experiment gone wrong. Uh, this was in the Telegraph, so it was a bit more to this. Um, they reported that she was uh, referred to the London-based clinic by a trans charity and only saw professionals three times. Jasmine also claims she was referred to be prescribed cross-sex hormones and put on a waiting list for a mastectomy after her second appointment. These people are wicked. I can't, I don't think there's any other words to describe this, Neil. I think wicked is the word that, that I definitely feel is appropriate. Well, I'm with you with that, with Tavistock, yeah. But hang on, Jasmine, you pestered people by telling people that you're a boy. And then you, you've gone to the extreme and now you don't like it. Well, it was your decision. I mean, we all make wrong decisions sometimes and we just have to get on with get on with our lives and, and carry on. Well, now, do you want the NHS to, you know, re-inform your, your breasts and this, that and the other? And, you know, you know what I mean? 
because she must have been taking hormone tablets and this, that, and the other, or whatever they have to do, right? And but then she decided, right, well, I want to be a lad, so I'll have my breast chopped off. You know. Well, look, well, that that was your decision. I agree. That was your decision. I agree with what you're saying. My only big big point really that comes from that yeah. is that really it shows it's quite forced, is it being forced into it by Tavistock that, that that's where it's wrong if they've sort of forced you know basically forced her into that you know because she only had a couple of appointments and then we said ah well we'll get your MSX to be done you know yeah as you say it, it wants shut, it's, it's shutting down it should be shut down but it also shows to me that teachers should be taking the the stance that until you are of the age of leaving school for example and becoming an adult then don't take adult decisions when you're still a school child that's my overriding point um you know i think that's that that's I'm with you on that yeah all right then well look we've got um probably just one more because i think this will probably take us to, to the last seven minutes um i've been noticing matt mentioned it today and i think you might also have noticed how quiet the churches have all suddenly become you know suddenly they don't want to, to give you any guidance about anything so I went back over a couple of things that I'd uh, put aside to read and talk with you about, and some have taken issue with the Archbishop of Canterbury and other bishops for opposing the government's plans to deal with migrants crossing the Channel. The article goes on to say, but I think we should accept that Justin Welby and other prelates are, prelates are acting in good faith. Moreover, it is certain through some Tories, uh, although, sorry, some Tories may not like to face the fact, Jesus spoke constantly on behalf of the poor and downtrodden. Blessed are the poor is one of our Lord's Beatitudes, according to St. Luke's Gospel. Throughout his ministry, Jesus was on the side of the poor in what was a generally impoverished society in which most people fell into that category. And then it goes on in this article. So the other day, I nodded to myself when I read the remarks of the Archbishop's spokesman after the bishops had tried to scupper the government's flagship illegal migration bill in the House of Lords. According to this spokesman, the bishops and the Lords will continue to speak out for those who are fleeing violence and persecution and seeking safety and keep calling for an asylum system that reflects our values, moral responsibilities and place within the international community. Okay, fair enough, uh, the article goes on. One can't easily quarrel with that. The bishops are rooting for the victims or for people they choose to see as victims and such sympathy is in the Christian tradition. The trouble is that Welby and Co are dependably selective. They concentrate on one kind of victims, foreigners crossing the channel. They seldom, if ever, spare a thought for innocent British victims. I was struck by this thought when I read an incredibly um, interesting statistic which practically made my eyes pop out of my head. According to the National Crime Agency, 80 Albanian migrants, some of whom may not have been here legally, have been sentenced to a collective 130 years in jail in the first four months of this year alone. These people have been convicted of murder, manslaughter, rape, 
violent disorder, firearm, firearm offensive, kidnap, causing death by dangerous driving, burglary and the illegal production of cannabis. And then there's a second statistic released by the Home Office. Some 12,800 Albanians who entered the UK illegally have broken their bail conditions in 15 months from the beginning of last year. In all, 44,957 migrants of all nationalities breached their bail conditions during this period. Now, those are very interesting statistics to me. I don't know about you. Exactly. Hang on. You see, we, we, people keep getting... We've helped migrants all our lives, all the time. Migrants that are being persecuted and this, that and the other. And you just apply and they, we, 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 we've got people out there in these countries and then they fill the form in and it's either a yes or a no. What these lot are is illegal immigrants that are doing all this, right? And you can get Wellsby and all these other cronies and this, that and the other dressed up in his frock and God knows what. That Whoa, it's all right for you. You're in your, you know, your, your beautiful uh, church and your massive house that goes with it and everybody's bowing down to you and all this, that and the other. No, I'm, it's about time you started looking at our poor people and every, because the more you're fetching in, the less is, there is for our people. And these are illegal immigrants and they should be sent straight back the minute they land on the beach. There's no ifs or buts about that. Migrants, yes, we help. And we always have helped. Illegal immigrants, no papers, no nothing, no, not applied for anything. Back you go. And I, I wish these wokes and all these softies, and they make me laugh. Get them out. And let's have a better world that we've, we, we've come from in the, in the past. I mean, why doesn't the likes of Welby uh, or any of the others that they want to uh, look at, why don't they look at the likes of the money that they pay to the executives of the water companies? And yet, everybody's now on a hosepipe ban, so they can't possibly be justifying the salaries that they're on. I mean, those are the sorts exactly. of issues the, that... The same as the electric. Yeah, the electric, the gas... All of them, they, they should be jumped on as well, because they're just making themselves richer and you know and richer and richer and richer, and everybody else is going poorer and poorer and poorer. All these big, they'll get all the big payouts at end of year, you know the bonuses. But hang on a minute, we've not had any water, so why should we pay a bill? If we've got an pipe ban, all we can use is a bit for you know uh, making a cup of tea or whatever. Well, they shouldn't be able now to. They make me laugh. They they shouldn't be paying any dividends at all on any of the shares that, that exist. I mean, at the end of the day, the shareholders have already made some money from the shares that they've had. So it's not as though that they've never made any money. But if everybody else is having host pipe bans and uh, prices going up, it seems totally inept to be paying uh, the huge salaries to these bloody executives. It just makes my blood boil. It really does. Neil? I'm mine. I'm, I'm with you on that all the way. Okay, Neil. Well, we've now come to the end of our rant for the week. Um, I mean, basically, uh, you can see quite clearly if all the religious leaders are shutting up, they must be part of the problem, mustn't they? Well, they've probably all got shares in them as well. You know. 
Well, they've got shares in something, and I'd love to know a little bit more about what it is. Neil, you have yourself a nice week, and look forward to having a you know look at what's going on this time next week. No problem. I'll be ready when you are. Lovely. Thanks, Neil. See you later, Vince. Bye-bye now. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.